from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. I'm getting October 15, 2019, and you're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Huckabee, coming at you from Paris, France. We made and it. We've got a great show today. Uh, over there, we're going to be assisted by my friend, the illustrious producer, Chandler Strang. Hello. Uh, we've also got there in Orlando, Florida, uh, I call him Boss. Some people call him John David. His friends call him JD. That's John David Harris. Greetings. <laughs> and out in, I'm assuming, Los Angeles, California. We didn't get a chance to up, to get a full update, but out in L.A., uh, our friend Propaganda is with us today. West, West. West, West. <laughs> uh, coming up on our show, we're going to be talking to Rachel Denhollander. She's author of the new book, What is a Girl Worth? My Story of Breaking the Silence and Exposing the Truth about Larry Nasser and USA Gymnastics. Uh, before we Jeez. get into it, I want to give you a message from today's sponsor, Double Blessing by Mark Batterson. In a day when divine flourishing and godly stewardship have been reduced to the hashtag, hashtag blessed, New York Times bestselling author and pastor Mark Batterson challenges believers to pursue a greater calling. In his new book, Double Blessing, he shares how the key to radically increasing your faith, joy, and abundance can be found by simply flipping the blessing. In other words, we can become a blessing to others when we recognize how God has blessed us. Pick up your copy of Double Blessing in bookstores everywhere. And if I could be so bold as to say, I've got a double blessing here on this podcast today with JD and Prop on here. I think this is a new, uh, com- like this is a, this is new chemistry for yeah. us. And this, <laughs> this is a brand new, this is, this is a daisy fresh lineup. We're kind of like the untested. We're like the, we're, we're the B, we're, I don't want to say B team, but it's like that time in Friday Night Lights when they're like, wow. suit up guys, you're in. You're yeah. in. We, 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 got nothing, we got nothing to lose. So Go out there and show us what you're made so of. So either, either we're getting destroyed by 40 points, so we got a chance to run, or we're up by 40 points. Yeah, we got a chance to run. That's right. Yeah, I, this could be like they don't want to run up the score anymore. Like it's got the podcast has gotten too good, and they want to put. Uh, they just want to see how this team can handle it. Yeah. Or it's like we we got nothing else to lose. We're getting, yeah, we're getting just, crushed by we're getting, we're getting crushed by West one way or the other. Might as well turn yeah. on some some explosions in the sky and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> Clear eyes. Clear oh. eyes, full hearts. This could this could really lose it all. This could and we're getting and I've been told this is a no edit podcast too. So we really have no there's no margin for error on this one. Listen I hope you guys that. brought your game faces and you left your so uh, ready for this. I, left, I hope you left your blue content at the door because we really can't do we can't be Chandler can't be spending. The time this time bleeping out bleeping out the uh, the off color jokes and, uh, and and some of the and some of the content that sometimes we edit out because we're worried it'll go over listeners' heads. I yeah. literally thought as soon as you said no edit, I was like, oh, green light, I'm going in. Let me tell you what I actually think. <laughs> no filter is fine. I saw I saw prop. I was uh, I was I was perusing some social media before we got on, and it looked like mm-hmm. you had a few thoughts about. Uh, a CNN article oh, about, yeah. about some uh, some there is there's some uh, Christian music some Christian music uh, stars that that was, that was CNN's word for them stars yes. who don't feel too comfortable getting into politics in this yeah. uh, politicized era and you yeah. tweeted this is a visual slice you we don't need to get into it if you don't want to but it because no, you you tweeted a gif of yourself uh, sipping the tea yep <laughs> is that is that the extent of your thoughts on that one I was like <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah well yeah okay you know what i'm saying it's just yeah there's so many layers to that it's like okay what constitutes a christian star well yeah, yeah. according to cnn somebody who like you know kind of plays in the lines and it's not that i don't it's not that i disagree with the premise of a uh article you know what i'm saying but it's just yeah, like yeah yeah, yeah yeah you know the question as to why you've never seen prop on you know any big festival or or why i'm not on like ccm radio or stuff like that i'm just like oh word christian stars 
Mm. Um. Well, <laughs> there it is. You know what I'm saying? And just like, and I'm like, I can name uh, plenty of stars. And and even the part where it's like, you know, us as like hip hop artists where we were kind of on this like sort of trajectory of saying, hey, look, dude, like when we say, I mean, we got killed when we were like, I don't know if we're Christian artists. Like, you mm-hmm. know, if we're right. CCM artists and it's like, they murdered us like we was walking away from the faith. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, it's mm-hmm. not what we're saying. We're just saying the world hears something different when you, from what you're meaning when you say you're a Christian artist. And I'm like, they saying that. And I'm going, look, clearly I'm not that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. so so when I go, yeah, I mean, this is what I mean when I say like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, because there's, there's certain criteria to be able to like, you know, succeed in a very narrow world that clearly doesn't want me there, you know? And I think that's what, because I read the article and they did quote our friends, uh, uh social club misfits in there yeah. who are pretty open about the fact that they do like, yeah, are they're pretty open about their feelings about the current administration. And I, totally. I would say they're, uh, they're not huge fans of it. Yeah. And yeah. based on that and they, but they, you know, social club misfits, they're not, they're not playing at the Dove awards. In 20, they're not they're not going to get the invite to to the GMAs because I think there is sort of a and it's not just Christian art, but it's definitely pronounced in Christian art. There's a very narrow idea of what sort of content is and yeah. isn't allowed. And it doesn't it isn't necessarily Christian. The word Christian isn't the right uh, quite the right word for it. Yeah, but. that's not that's not what's really required. And at the end yeah. of the day, there's a subtext that like nobody really want to say, but we're all saying it is you talking about white people. You are talking uh-huh, about right, right. white Christians, <laughs> which is a very specific. So like, so that was the other part of the T where I was uh-huh. just like, oh, word, Christians. Like, OK, sure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was the sort of like, because I, I think that and I, w- I was raised like, like listening to I listened to all these guys to a lot of Christian music when I was a little kid. JD, I know that you did, too. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. But there wasn't really like politics, like nobody when I was growing up, nobody was Nobody was doing writing songs about the George W. Bush administration. You know, that wasn't the Iraq war wasn't really on the Caleb wasn't getting into that. And mm-hmm. uh, and that was a different time. But it really yeah. hasn't changed since then. Or if people or I should say this, if people were if there were Christian artists out there who were talking about it, they were not in my purview whatsoever. But they might have just been kind of on the on the edges of it. Yeah. Uh, like you guys at Humblebee Star. Yep. I feel like the most political Christian music that I ever got exposed to was I pledge allegiance to the lamb. That was about <laughs> wow. as that was about as political as it yeah, got in the, in the Harris political. household. But um and that music video too where they're like all about to be they're like uh being collected to be like shot in this futuristic mm-hmm. anti-Christian society that had oh risen up in the end times. And this dad is like telling his kids, like giving them a Bible and being like, no, I'm going to pledge allegiance to the lamb as they're like leading him away into this futuristic I would love for torture someone chamber. to do some sort of like, um, just, just like expose, but not in a negative way, but just like catch me up as to what is, what is this just like white evangelical obsession with believing they being persecuted? Right. Like, I just don't understand why y'all romanticize that so much. Like, just what it, why are you so obsessed with that? Ain't nobody, ain't nobody rounded up Christians. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm like, especially in America, was there, was there a Christian nation ban? You know what I'm saying? Over, over immigration? Is anybody like, you know what I'm saying? Like, where are y'all getting that? Like, just somebody, please, and I'm saying this as a genuine question. Where are you getting that? Like, what was like, what was the first like fanfic article that came out? Because it, that's what it really feels like is like, yeah. imagine, a, imagine a world. Because in, in any, this is like the upside down, the idea that yes. Christians are persecuted. This is like completely yes. backwards from it. It's untethered from reality, but it's an extremely popular, like, like fantasy thing that people love yes. to like, like, plead, like, they're like, you almost want, I'm and like, I, where and it's like okay if we were in china if we were right in right sure yeah bangladesh if yeah. you know what i'm saying is this like are we in the caliphate right now if we was in the <laughs> caliphate i'd be like make your movies do you know what i'm saying <laughs> but like what is you talking about 
And it's yeah. and it, the closest thing to like the creeping enroachment is like uh, somebody was told they couldn't have a cross like on the like in the state house built like a like a, yeah. a, a politician yeah. elected politician couldn't do or, or if he did do it and it would be a he if he did do it then it would be yeah. like you have to also have a menorah or, or is it like yeah. you have to have like a and that's that is seen as like yeah. the height of that's it. See, just like we've been saying it all along. (laughs) Hey, this practicing Muslim man who's been a faithful Muslim, faithful to Islam his whole life, when he gets sworn into office, wants to put his hand on a Quran because it's the holy text of his whole life. All of a sudden, you saying that Christians is persecuted because this man that ain't read a Bible his whole life don't want to swear on a book that don't mean nothing to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, help me. I think all you have to say to just clear up, clear the air is just happy holidays. Happy right. holidays, yeah, everyone. Yeah. Happy yeah. holidays. Throw that one out there. See what <laughs> happens. Persecuted. See what happens. See what happens. Oh, man. Oh, man. Jeez. This is what okay. they got. This is this is what Relevant brought on itself. By, yeah. by putting on by putting on this squad, you don't you don't bring us around for the easy conversations. <laughs> Come on now, right. no. Come on now. <laughs> we're, we're just getting started. We're like we're like we, fifteen. We like got to the content. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to take a, a quick break, so you can so 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 cool your chest. We're just getting started. Tap the brakes a little bit. When we come back, slices. You're listening to Big Thief. That was two hands. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard the Better Oblivion Community Center with Dylan Thomas. Uh, that's, name. that's that's my yeah that, that's my this is these are also my songs that i picked out to start out here yeah. I, I had to run them by chandler chandler was the good choices was good the last choices. filter are we yeah. okay so far chandler yeah. so far so good okay yeah, baby. i'm glad i'm glad to hear it all right it's time for slices jd what do you got okay so scientists in japan have discovered love, something already, you know already we're in. already in we're already in whenever already a in. scientist in japan discover something i always get really excited Uh, limitless budget yes but scientists in japan have discovered a clever way to reduce the need for use of pesticides in livestock and i think that's good we don't want like a bunch of uh, we don't want our cows like sitting waist deep in pesticides um and the evidence supporting it is pretty black and white here it is a study published in the journal plus one not the christian boy band of of days unfortunate um a different one. They uh, found that painting zebra-like stripes onto a cow significantly reduces the attacks by biting flies, providing a means of defending livestock against the flies without pesticides. So I guess they'd get these cows and all these flies would start swarming around the cows because, you know, they smell. And mm-hmm. um, the flies would also carry like disease and that disease could get transferred into the meat sure. or to the milk or whatever. And then sure. um, I actually don't know. But uh, <laughs> but they didn't want the flies. Disease into <laughs> the milk? Maybe, sure. maybe something. No, not much of a farmer there. What, no, what do cows do again? What do we keep cows around for? Um, but uh, basically they started, They and the pictures are hilarious. You should look them up. It's Someone just took like a spray paint can and just started spray painting zebra stripes onto this cow to, to keep the flies away. And I started wondering if, um, if this really works, are there other animals that we should start uh-huh. spray painting black and white? And maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe if not flies, like if this works against mosquitoes, sign me up. Stripe, oh, yeah. stripe me. You can, so you're saying, so, so to, to clear it up, you're saying that these cows can like cosplay as zebras for a yes. day. Yes. Then yes. they lose, then they don't, you can get rid of the need for pesticides because the flies stop biting them because that's the point of the stripes on the zebras to like make them, they kind of like mask them from flies. See, I always somehow. heard that the stripes on the zebra were to like blend in with the tall grass so that the lions wouldn't eat them. But yeah, maybe that's what it's I remember just, learning. Maybe it's just for flies this whole time. We had it all <laughs> yeah. wrong. It was just to keep yeah. the flies away. Um, we are still learning as a species. That's, yeah. that's important. To, they that's, say that, that's, a, that's an impressive and also extremely time consuming 
experiment. Like you can't just paint a cat. Like this wasn't just out of nowhere. It's just like, you know, it might be fun. Let's just paint a, Let's just paint like a cow. A, what are you talking about? Like you're new, talking about a couple a hundred new, like, head of cattle, I suppose. I guess. I'm also getting very it. much a big like Pepe Le Pew vibe. The, mm. the Looney, the extremely problematic Looney tune who would always chase down yeah. some sort of black cat because it got accidentally painted with yeah. white stripes and looked like a skunk. So it's this but for mosquitoes. I wonder if that's what they were doing. Flies. I wonder if a bunch of like Japanese scientists were hanging around <laughs> trying to figure out a way to reduce the use of pesticides. All of a sudden, Pepe Le Pew comes on. That poor cat <laughs> walks underneath the man painting the sign, gets that white stripe down her back. Next <laughs> thing you is. know, boom, I got it. Zebras, cows, no flies, done. Brilliant. A little light bulb, a literal little hey. tunes light bulb goes on over their head. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to add something on this, on this, but it's a little, little tangent, but is that a word? Tangent? It's kind of a Tan- tangent. Tangential. Uh, a little tangerine um, <laughs> is when, when my wife and I were in, uh, in Israel and Palestine, um, they were, we were driving through this, like, sort of like, um, uh, uh, like forest land where they, you know, grow just a, a crazy assortment of fruit for just the topsoil in this region of the world can just literally grow anything. Like mm-hmm. it can just grow it all. Right. Okay. And in the middle of that were these like boxes that were like, look like, like eagles or like these like bird, like falconry boxes in the middle of it. Right. So we asked a dude like, yo, what's up with the, what's up with the falcons every in between each of these like trees. And they were like, well, Here's the idea, you know, sort of the the local uh, traditions, whether they're like Jewish or or Muslim, because it's just it's just a tribal region there. They just have a belief that creation was made in perfect balance. So there's always a solution in nature for whatever pest, pestis, whatever like pests or invasive species you have, ah. it, because they just believe theologically that there is a natural solution to everything, right? So they were like, we had this, they had this invasive bug, right? Uh, that was like messing with the crops. So they were like, we just have to figure out what animal eats that bug. And then they were like, this particular species of mice eats this. And you think it, you think it's another, it's a, I'm building up to a Looney Tunes cartoon, but that's not the case. <laughs> right. So they were like, so we just brought in mice to eat those bugs. And then we just brought in the birds to eat the mice and the system works perfect. They, they control each other's population and there's no pesticides on it. And they've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. So that's I'm not, tangen- like, that's not tangential at all. That's like exactly what this these scientists yeah. had to go prove yeah. something that's apparently been known in Israel for a long in time. tribal yeah. regions forever. But it's just the part that like stuck with me the most was like, it's theological for them. Creation's made in perfect uh, balance. That there's an answer. You just got to find it. I love it. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's actually like super, that's like really interesting. I also, I forgot that you, when did you get back from Israel? Pretty recently. Uh, I got back, um, <laughs> uh, Right after, right after the stuff hit the fan for y'all, uh, is when I got back. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So uh, about a about a uh, about a month ago, almost. I was and, in France uh, when that happened, so I re- I yes. can't take any credit for that. I was I was <laughs> yeah. You were going to. I leave. I leave, and the whole country falls apart. It's, yeah. I, hope I was like, yeah, leave. the week we leave. The week we impeached the president, and yeah, like all of that happened that week. <laughs> I'm gone. Walked for, into a I'm gone dumpster for a f- fire. Three weeks. And look what you all did. Three weeks. Look what you guys did, man. That's what we made of the place. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So I brought, I brought, I brought in, uh, in true host fashion, I brought two slices today that oh, I wanted boy. to talk about. The first one, the, well, the first one's a, a pretty easy, um, pretty straightforward. This was just announced today. And, and I was curious, uh, for, for, we got, we got a few guys on here. One, one is an actual musician. Well, Chandler, yeah. you're a musician too. And yep. John David, and you and I are fans of music, even if we are not necessarily great at making it. True. Um, so the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees oh, were yeah. announced mm-hmm. today uh, to a lot of fanfare. There's a lot of uh, people on here who seem like they deserve some attention in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You got folks like uh, Whitney Houston is on mm-hmm. there. Uh, Judas Priest is on Nine Inch Nails. Notorious mm-hmm. was nominated. Uh, yes. T-Rex, Thin Lizzy, Pat Benatar. We also have uh, Dave Matthews Band. Uh, 
somebody had to slip through the cracks. I, I don't know what kind of vetting process happens here, but <laughs> Dave, but, Dave got, but Dave got his nomination too. So that's all interesting. We can go back and forth about who deserves to be in or who doesn't deserve to be in. But I've always wondered two things about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that I find uh, to be that I, that I find to be real issues. The first one is pretty specific. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do you guys know where it's at? It's in Ohio, isn't it? It's in it's Ohio, in, right? It's in Cleveland, Ohio. Huh. Maybe no no judgment on the good folks of Cleveland. I have good friends in Cleveland. I've been to Cleveland. One of the best concerts I ever saw in my life was in Cleveland. But Cleveland doesn't strike me as a rock and roll city by any measure of what rock and roll is. And I don't know what happened or what the story was, but everything about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame sounds like big and glitzy and and rock and it's cool until you find out that it's in Cleveland. It's like, oh, is that just like a little side? Sh- like, what happened? Like, what is like? What does it look like? Who landed in the country music? The country music Hall of Fame is in Nashville. That makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I mean, if there are any other music like genre music Hall of Fames, I don't know where they're based out of. Cleveland and Nashville. Where where would it be instead? L.A. or New York or? I feel like I feel like, yeah either of those or even even like, even like Detroit even like some Detroit places came to mind. like that yeah. like that kind of like blue collar uh, you know I don't know born in the USA vibe of rock and roll uh, Cleveland is just like they just like they, baseball yeah from what I understand they, they like baseball yeah. and they have the Browns yeah who have yeah. orange helmets which is very confusing and <laughs> then. Carey. And Drew Carey. They have, they have Drew. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any? I think famous- Howard the Duck was based out of Cleveland. <laughs> as strange as that well, both is. Both Dugs in Harmony. Okay. Are they from? Are they from Cleveland? Yeah. Are you kidding me, man? That was the whole thing. I didn't know they, that at all. That, yeah. They would be thieving up in Cleveland. Yeah. And they're probably well, not even the in the end rock of the and roll song. Hall you remember of the thing. end of the thuggish, ruggish bone when she's like, Cleveland's. Definitely in the house. I I feel like I'm really I feel very exposed because I'd <laughs> I like to think that I, I like to think that I could tell you, oh yeah, of course they were from Cleveland, but no, I didn't know. That. This is, bone. This I do is think new, that this is news to me. Ohio has that the like the idea of the quintessential heartland of America thing. Yeah. And so if yeah. you're trying to like nail the like, oh, this is the rock and roll hall of fame. This is the heartbeat of America is rock and roll our and our musical angst then maybe placing it somewhere in the heartland would make sense but but it's still you're right it doesn't it doesn't feel like a rock and roll town it feels a little too buttoned up to me it feels a little but that kind of gets at the second part my second issue with the rock and roll hall of fame is that there's nothing less rock and roll than like being drafted into some sort of established (laughs) hall of fame like having a bunch of voters in suits like gather around to be like who gets in this year who are we who are we letting into the cool club like doesn't that go again what which of these guys grew up listening to to whoever let's just say to the doobie brothers and is like you know what i want to be just like them and hopefully someday get whatever they make, some sort of like Madame Tussauds type wax figure in a Hall of Fame in Cleveland. <laughs> Sorry, Cleveland. I don't mean, and this is not a knock on Cleveland. This is a knock on Hall of Fame, Halls of Fame in general. I think the, be- the best thing you could do for your rock and roll cred if you got nominated for the Rock and Hall of Fame is just tell them where to stick their nomination and go back to making music because that feels way truer to the rock and roll ethos. That feels rock yeah. and roll. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like what they, it should be some sort of like like art installation hotel that's just like trashed where like <laughs> and you're 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 like your 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 reward is you get to go up once there like all the rooms are trashed because that's the wit what the winner gets you get to go trash a hotel room <laughs> one more time that's so like when that. you win you get just get to go and just have a bender and just like trash the hotel and now that they're inviting hip-hop things in so it's just like we're just gonna have to alter it for just like you throw just some sort of just dope house party or something like and that's what we get to do if you're a rapper and you get in, inducted into the hall of fame just house party you know what I'm saying? I think that would be more interesting to visit too, to walk through and like yeah. peek into the room <laughs> that so and so partied in, or so, yeah. just yeah. like Metallica look at the different thrash this one right. right here, look yeah. at the difference level, the different levels of destruction and everything. That could be interesting. <laughs> Plus, especially if it's a, like a posthumous award, like what Biggie was nominated for, to have like his friends and family, his loved ones, go in and trash a and like throw a huge party in his name. That would be. That would be like a really legendary house party, the Notorious B.I.G. Memorial uh, 
for his induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yeah. and be way better than whatever they're going to do, which is somebody in a tuxedo totally. giving a speech about how much this would have meant to Biggie when it wouldn't have meant anything to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been like, the what? Hall of Fame? <laughs> so I that's, just, that's not, that's barely a slice, but I thought about it and I thought with as much talent as, and as there's be like, like, it's cool that I kind of hope the, cause I'm a big nine inch nails fan. Uh, Nine Inch Nails was finally nominated. I feel like maybe Trent could kind of do a little bit of like a like a little bit of like a like screw you to the man. A little tongue in cheek. Yeah. I don't know. Anti exception speech kind of thing. If they get if they even give it to him, I don't know yeah. if that's going to be the yeah. case at all. Trent making that money though, man. <laughs> um, I ain't mad at Trent anyway. So the second one is a little more on brand for us, and you may have seen this story going around, but we didn't get to talk about it here on the relevant podcast. So I wanted to bring it to y'all's attention. I'm sure we're all familiar with the preachers and sneakers. Yes, I think yes. we've talked about it a number of times here. It, it's a uh, it's, it's a very funny account. It's still going strong. I feel like the buzz has kind of dissipated a little bit. Like people got it, but but it's still yeah. the critique definitely stands. But there is a new contender. On the preachers and sneakers game, there's a new uh, a new challenger has approached um, for maybe the title of the ultimate preacher sneaker. So there's a streetwear brand that I'm not familiar with called MSCHF, and for one thousand four hundred twenty five dollars, you can get this pair of sneakers. Uh, they are a pair of what look to be pretty standard Nike Air Max ninety sevens. But they got some special features to help you quote walk on water. Mm. Each sole, the soles of each pair of these shoes have been injected with water directly from the Jordan River, yes. which has been blessed by a priest before yes. it was put into the shoes. Um, there's also a crucifix uh, that's tied to the that's tied to the sneakers. Uh, there's a Bible verse, uh, Matthew fourteen twenty five. Is on them as well. That's the that's where Jesus walked on water. And there's a few other just kind of like tacky Christiany symbols uh, that are that are present on it. Which I feel like somebody had to see like see the preachers and sneakers thing and be like kind of like we were talking about with the with the pe- the scientists watching Pepe Le Pew. They're like, yeah, we could do something. With <laughs> we this. got this. There's material here. We could. Yeah. And I find it really. I find that. Whatever that you make of the preachers and sneakers account, I know there's been a that that one's been talked around a lot. I find the recent kind of like hybrid of Christian type stuff with high fashion to be really interesting and really bizarre. And I don't know where it came from. Yeah, like not just people who not just like pastors who wear high fashion stuff, but like bringing actual Christian symbols and making them a part of high fashion items of which this is just the most explicit example, but it's also these shoes are $1,400. Like these are yeah. very expensive shoes to be tied to that. So I didn't yeah. know what you guys thought. I mean, obviously none of us are going to buy that. Well, well, I don't know about hobbies. So we're not going to buy They're reselling shoes. for over $2,000. Wow. Over 2000 now? It, it, yeah. yeah. It says well, they, they all sold out within like a couple minutes. And uh, 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 too late guys. Yep. Too late. Well, the truth is Audrey Assad has the best take on it ever. Okay. She tweets, I really hope they call these River Jordans. Mm. <laughs> I was like, you win. That's good. Oh, man. Oh. I was like, you win. You win. Nailed it. Not only, not only am I late it. to the slice, Audrey beat me to, with a way better joke than anything was, I could have come up that with. That was so good. Oh, my God. Shout out, Audrey, dog. I was like, yo, this is, this is the content I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm here. Because it's too dumb to even get mad at. No. So you got to laugh at and oh, it's like yeah. this is that that reply to something this preposterous. This is why you can never delete Twitter. <laughs> it's because someone's gonna give you a gem like that, and you're like, "This is you just you just captured all of it in that." Man, you just call them River Jordans, and, and it's not the same to find out via a screenshot on Facebook. You got to stay on Twitter. No, for that. You, you have to stay on. You have to see it in real time. I want to yep. see it in the moment. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad you told with me. I'm sorry that I missed it, but I'm glad you you, you showed it. Showed it to me. Uh, were you in the Jordan River when you were over there, prop? Did, did you? We see did. The Jordan me River? and my uh, me and my wife got. We got a. Uh, it was like our our anniversaries this month, so we took okay, this trip cool. as like a ten year anniversary. So we did a did a double dunk baptism. You uh-huh. know. Uh, in the Jordan. So that was pretty rad. It was like a rededication for our marriage and 10 year celebration, yada, yada. A dove flew and landed. What? I swear to you. What? Not, not making that up. 
dove came. Did you hear a voice from the clouds? Uh, I heard a voice from the shores <laughs> saying, hurry up, it's our turn. <laughs> also heard the sound of... Uh, a sound of money changers selling us photos of the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the, I've, I've never been, I've never been to Israel, never been to the, I've never done the visit. People always, people talk a lot about how like it just changes. Like that's the, that's the thing like that, how it just like puts, it's like seeing the Bible in color for the first time. Would you say that yeah. it was a, would you call it transformative? It was transformative for a number of reasons. One was like, yeah, like the idea that, so you get, you're getting these moments, you're having these like, oh my God, you're standing on the Mount of Olives. Oh my God, Mm -hmm. this is the Garden of Gethsemane or maybe the garden looked like this. Like, wow, this is incredible. Like, oh my God, I'm having this deep spiritual moment on this land. And then like a group of kids just getting out of school, just like walk by you, you know, throwing stuff at each other, dropping trash and just being kids. And then you're snapped back into reality of like, oh, yeah, it's just a hill. There are people <laughs> that just actually just live here and are here every day. And for me, that was actually helpful in the spiritual experience so that you don't like start, you know, worshiping creation. Yeah, 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 you know what yeah. I'm saying? Being like, yeah. yo, it's just a rock, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so for me, that part of the 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 actual like earthiness of it was the most transformative and granted it was like you know knowing like what's happening in palestine and just like all sure, like sure, sure. modern political drama like really clouded a lot of the like for me a lot of the just suspending reality fantasy like it was just like man there's like actually like real suffering happening here right now mm-hmm. and i don't I don't want y'all to lose more listeners by me like <laughs> going too far into that, but it definitely clouded my experience, but it was definitely transformative. Because sometimes people can get so stuck on what Israel represented to Jesus at the time, like in, yeah. in zero AD that they are a little, they can ignore or have some blinders on about what's happening in it today. Yeah, it's a modern nation state, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and it has all of the normal modern nation state drama, you know? Mm-hmm. John David, have you uh, done the Israel trip yet? I haven't. I haven't. I, I've kind of wanted to. Uh, the right opportunity hasn't, I guess, presented itself. Um, and I mean, I haven't even gone to the Holy Land experience here in Central Florida, which <laughs> oh, would at least, gosh. you know, that's that's like you know, on there, you. That, there that's are a there are twenty no, minute drive. There are no kids like throwing rocks and trash at you when you are at their <laughs> Mount of Olives. I have to say, from what I understand. Um, but no, I've I've wanted to. Um, I just, I kind of, I, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd want to find like a good balance between going with like a group that actually, you know, <laughs> knows where these things are. But then also, I kind of would want to try to figure out a way to kind of get lost in the area a little bit too, um, sure. just to kind of get into it. But then, but I think, I think, prop, what you're saying is is very valid and and true about how like, you know, that Mount of Olives was this moment where this really important thing happened but i mean i wouldn't even doubt it if school kids were throwing rocks and trash at each other then Then, and i think i think it makes it it's really like settles it into you're like oh this wasn't this it was an important moment but it was an important moment that happened in the everyday lives of these people of that time and i think that's powerful too i think that's something that was something that was that's hard to impress on people it's hard for us to remember now is like the the like everydayness of those Bible stories at the time. Yes. Like it yeah. wasn't weird to see a guy get crucified in 30, yeah. in 30 AD in Israel. That was like crosses lined the roads back then. So what happened to the, uh, something that kind of like when we watch like Gibson's, the passion of the Christ, like it, it didn't part of the indignity of what happened to Jesus was that it just wasn't yeah. super extraordinary. It was yeah. like a very normal everyday thing. And I think that's something that, that we haven't always done a great job uh, because it, it doesn't have quite the same drama or the same like yeah. flannel graph uh, mm-hmm. ups and down <laughs> narrative that you want for it. But that's an important part of the story too. And maybe going to Israel would help me understand that a little better than I do. Well, let's yeah. go, Tyler. Let's go. You and me, we'll just get yeah, on the bus. Should we do it? Let's do it. We can get a flight. I'm already, I'm halfway there, man. Oh, you are? That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Right over here. I can practically see it from my from the, my apartment window. <laughs> Mount of Olives. Far for you. Right out there. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Uh, stay with us when we come back. Our guest, Rachel Denhollander, will join us. Look at all the peaches. How do you celebrate 
You're listening to Aldous Harding. That song is The Barrel. Rachel Den Hollander is an American lawyer and former gymnast, sexual abuse survivor, advocate, and author. She was the first woman to publicly accuse Larry Nasser, the former Michigan State University and USA Gymnastics doctor of sexual assault. Her book, What is a Girl Worth? My Story of Breaking the Silence and Exposing the Truth about Larry Nasser and USA Gymnastics, tells the inspiring true story of Rachel's journey from an idealistic young gymnast to a strong and determined woman who found the courage to raise her voice against evil, even when she thought the world might not listen. I spoke to Rachel a few weeks ago. Here is part of our conversation. I'm curious about this this book rollout, and I, I I'm I'm really excited to read what is a girl worth. And I'm kind of curious about the. I wanted to start by asking you a little bit about the trajectory of mm-hmm. of how this all came together, because I feel like your uh, message has shifted over the last couple of years from what happened with Larry Nasser to being much more focused on the the Christian ministry world. And I'm wondering if that was intentional on your part, or if you felt like you kind of uh, like this, this particular fight came to you. Uh, you know, all I can really credit it with is God's providence, all of it. Um, yeah, advocacy in terms of speaking out against um, abuse in the church and abusive theology. That was something I had done for a long time um, on you know the, the small platform that I had, um, but I had never shared my story or how I knew so much about abusive dynamics, um, you know, or anything like that. Um, the long and short of it I, is I had I had personal connections to the abuse scandals um, in some way, shape, or form at uh, Institute of Basic Life Principles, at Vision Forum, in a lot of the homeschooling circles. Um, and so this was an area where I was advocating in my small platform before, but had not ever shared um, my own story with abuse or why I had studied it for so long, how I understood so much about it. Uh, and I spoke out about um, sports scandals, and, um, and so you know there was there was that level of discussion happening on my social media platforms, small though they were. Um, so it wasn't new. That being said, I wasn't looking to start anything uh, at all. You know, if if I could have picked things to teach on, I, I did a lot of teaching um, before this on various issues. Uh, the idea of teaching on sexual assault never crossed my mind, not once. It was something that I would actively avoid. Uh, I would say. Um, so this, I was not attempting to start anything. And in terms of the shift to um, being more vocal on the, you know, the church issues, that really arose because of that one line I put in my victim impact statement uh, that I had lost my former church through advocacy for sexual assault victims. Um, and I, you know, I, again, I wasn't intending to start anything. I didn't really. Uh, it never even occurred to me that someone might pick up on that line and and find it interesting. I was just instructed to put into. Um, into my impact statement, everything that it cost me to come forward, uh, and that was one of the things it cost. Because when I when I did share my story, when I when everything became public, um, in ways that I never wanted it to, you know, the, the immediate response from some of the leaders in my church was, "Oh, you're just imposing your story on you know on sovereign grace. You're just imposing your story on these other areas," uh, and so I was immediately discredited because of my own abusive background. I was immediately written off as a wounded victim. Um, and so it cost me my ability to advocate. It cost me my ability to have reasoned discussions with the leaders in my church because of speaking up about my own abuse. Uh, and so I put that line in there in the impact statement, never intended for it to go anywhere, never intended to do anything. When I did that initial interview with Christianity Today, um, I did not use the name Sovereign Grace. They asked if that was the church that I, the denomination that I was speaking of, because they were already aware of the scandal within that denomination. So I answered honestly and said, yes, that that had been what I was referencing. Um, yeah. And then they printed that response. Um, so it was, it was not something I was uh, intending to do. I wasn't out to pick a fight. Uh, that being said, uh, I think these issues desperately need to be talked about. Um, it's an area where we have a massive blind spot in Christianity and it's doing incredible damage um, to people who are made in God's image. And so I don't regret it. I find it very difficult. Uh, that's the honest truth. I find it very difficult to continue speaking on this. Um, but I feel like it's what God's asked me to do and I want to do it as faithfully as possible. It will be worth the cost. Because of your, uh, you've done, as you said, some some advocacy even before your platform increased here. So I'm sure you were aware 
in some ways of of the cost that would come and of some of the the things that are said about women like you who come forward and tell their stories. Have you, despite all that, have you been surprised at some of the the backlash that you've received from these religious institutions? Because I, I can tell you that I have been surprised at some of the things that you and your husband have had to deal with. No, not at all. Absolutely not at all. No. And that's, you know, again, someone who, someone who has not walked through that, who is not moving in those circles, um, it, it doesn't surprise me that others are not aware of what victims face and survivors face when they speak up. Um, but everything that has been said um, and the level of vitriol, all of that was something I anticipated, honestly, at the point that I spoke up about Larry's abuse. Uh, way back when I spoke up, one of the, you know, one of Jacob and I had multiple conversations. Do we tell the church elders why you understand so much about these dynamics? Uh, and Jacob thought it would help them understand. And every time we had the discussion, I'd say, no, we can't do that. Because if I do that, I'm immediately going to get written off as a wounded victim who's imposing her experience on everybody else. It will damage my credibility. We will lose the ability to have any reasoned discussions. Um, and, and it will shut everything down. We can't do that. Um, and exactly what I said would happen has happened to a T. Um, you know, we went through everything that I anticipated going through, uh, the types of attacks that are being leveled, uh, everything from I'm bringing godless ideologies into the church to uh, I should be uh, at home homeschooling my kids and not speaking, which is um, amusing to me because I am, uh, and yet that's not enough to save me from that attack. Um, you know, all of that, every bit of it was something I anticipated at the very moment that I sent that email because sexual assault survivors are always watching. We are always watching to see who's safe and to see how the issue of abuse is treated. And we look at how people treat the issue of abuse and we know that's what they would think about me. That's what they would say to me. If my abuser were in this community, that's what I would go through. Uh, And so we know that because we always watch. So unfortunately, absolutely nothing has been a surprise. I wish I could say it was. What do you what do you credit that to? And the specific, there are probably different reasons for different communities. Um, but but where do you think this this vitriol? What's at the root of it? Why are are people uh, communities uh, oftentimes men men in leadership? Why are they so threatened and so angry when sexual abuse survivors tell these stories? I think there are a wide variety of reasons. Um, yeah, and there's some overlap. You know, there's some points of commonality between institutions. Um, There's always an aspect of reputation, Um, but by and large, I don't find that to be the driving factor in a church context, Um, and that's actually what makes it so difficult to deal with. In a church context, more often than not, it is an incorrect theology or an imbalanced theology, an incorrect or imbalanced theology of pastoral authority, an incorrect or imbalanced theology of divisiveness and unity, uh, where anyone who speaks up is automatically categorized as divisive. Uh, or creating disunity in the church, uh, an imbalance in how we understand grace and forgiveness, uh, such that abusers are um, not either not turned over to authorities or are um, allowed back in the church in unwise circumstances uh, that gives them the ability to continue abusing or continue uh, harassing or harming the victims they have in that church. There is often an imbalance in uh, our understanding of uh, how far a, a pastor's authority goes uh, or even imbalance in how we articulate the idea of the sufficiency of Scripture. You know, my husband and I go to 1689 uh, Reformed Baptist Church, uh, so we are very firm on the sufficiency of Scripture. Uh, but we also recognize that there are areas where we need to get um, education because Scripture simply doesn't spell out every single detail. You know, Scripture doesn't have the federal rules of evidence in it. Uh, scripture doesn't have what we understand about how our neurologic systems process trauma and how memories are retrieved after someone has been abused. Uh, And so we can benefit uh, from wise teaching in a lot of areas. Um, And, you know, obviously you hold that up to the plumb line of Scripture because Scripture is the ultimate authority. Um, But Scripture is not the only thing we ever look at in any context. Scientists study other aspects of science and historians study uh, things other than Scripture. And in the same way, when you are ministering to victims of trauma, you study aspects um, that are found in good and solid sources. Um, but oftentimes, Christian churches don't view it that way. And so it leads them to not be educated on dynamics of abuse. It leads them to not be educated on how predators operate, how victims respond, 
uh, to not be able to see warning signs, and to not understand how to respond when those things are happening in their church. Uh, but because the root of most of the imbalance in church is found in improper or imbalanced theology, it makes it very difficult to deal with. Uh, because what happens is when you speak up against these, uh, about these churches or against what's taking place in Christianity, the immediate response is you're attacking the gospel. You want to see the church destroyed. You're bringing down a godly man. You're creating division. You're creating disunity. And churches actually clamp down harder. They circle the wagons more because they honestly believe they are being persecuted for righteousness sake uh, and that you are coming at them with godless ideologies. Uh, and that makes it very difficult to change uh, because secular institutions who are motivated primarily by money and reputation, you can apply enough outside pressure. If you're lucky, you can apply enough outside pressure uh, that it motivates them to do it better the next time because they don't want to be, uh, you know, they don't want to be sued. They don't want to have to pay damages to victims. Uh, they don't want to lose their reputation. They don't want to lose their credibility. Uh, but churches don't, don't work like that. Most of the time, they honestly believe they are being persecuted for the gospel. And so they, they buckle down harder. And that makes it very difficult to change the tone of what's happening in the church today. That was Rachel Denhollander. Her book, What is a Girl Worth, is out now. Uh, I would really encourage you to pick this book up and really just listen to everything that, that Rachel does. She's, uh, she has been absolutely fearless in, in this, uh, mission of hers that she did yeah. not ask for. But, and, and, uh, and she very candidly said she doesn't really want, but she is, is choosing to fight anyway so that other people don't have to. It, it's incredibly admirable. And, and, uh, I loved reading the book and was really moved by it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Ask the Cats. Now, if you think I'm chasing the seasons like a band is someplace to be, I'm your stepdad. And I know they say I'm scheming to leave him, dreaming my life away. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment and get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, anger, stress, anxiety, and more. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Relevant podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code RELEVANT. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash relevant. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash relevant. I could put you to sleep just by reading or turn the living room into an avalanche I love to make you laugh you're listening to Alex Cameron. That was stepdad. Alex's stepdad, not mine. Okay, it's time for Ask the Cast. We went on Twitter to ask you all some questions to toss around to so everybody else. We'll pick some of the some of our favorite ones here. All right, we'll go with this one. This is this one is from uh, Meg Dorset on Twitter. Since we already gave a hard time to the good people of Cleveland, it's only fair that we spread some of the hate around. Uh, she <laughs> asked, "What is the most useless state and why?" Ah, uh, oh man, oh that's tough. A lot of contenders. Fifty. Yeah, really. You could make a case for almost any of them. Useless, man. That's that's the hard part. There's yeah, there's the states you don't like. Yeah. But then like dog on useless. Does it, does it provide value to the to the overall because I, I'm from Nebraska. I, I don't mind people dragging Nebraska. I get it. I was raised there too. But there is a lot of there's a lot of corn in Nebraska and people need corn, so I don't know that useless works. What does Wyoming give us? Yellowstone. Oh, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. See, that pretty. could be in Mont that's not in that could be in Montana though. Like <laughs> you could envelop <laughs> you could divide Wyoming between Colorado and Montana, and I feel like we wouldn't miss it. Yeah, as a state, as as like a functioning state, you you have a point. <laughs> I guess, um, that's, like, I guess that's true. And I don't think there's, did, did they like, I'm sure there are like notable citizens from there. Like, I'm not going to, 
I'm, I'm sure I'll get corrected on this by Twitter. Like they'll say, Oh, somebody very famous. The like third, the like, you know, 16th president was from Wyoming. Like, no, he wasn't. You don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't <laughs> exactly. think there was anybody, there was anybody irreplaceable. Okay, name, it's like name. Okay. Name three cities in Wyoming. Right. I, I you know. So there's that one. Yeah. Uh, Cheyenne. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But like, that's, that's all I got. But what I'm saying is, it's like I can't think of any distinguishable terrain difference between Montana, Colorado, and Wyoming. So I'm just like, well, Montana. I mean, I mean, yeah, you got to keep Montana. Like, this, you know what I'm saying? Colorado. I mean, come on now, Colorado. Like, Colorado is like a good contender as like, yo, you're like the top ten most of the homies. Useful. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Most yeah, useful. Yeah, most yeah. useful. Oh, for like, sure. Yeah. Like you are the homies. Like yeah. Colorado rides. You feel me? So I feel like your clout your clout would shoot up if you just divided Wyoming between Colorado and Montana. And that, and like a reverse of that, I also feel like there's no need for a North and South Dakota. Oh, would, that was my first thought. Oh just, man. Just like, just why Absolutely not, true. why not Dakota? I mean, it'd just be, be huge, Dakota. but just there's not nearly enough there to justify what they, they have. Mount Rushmore. Impressive. Yeah, but Mount Impressive. Rushmore is like. But you could do that with one state. You yeah, could do that with you one do that Dakota with one state. Yeah, b- built on indigenous Mount, land. And, you know, <laughs> just yeah. And I'm like, okay, so you got Mount Rushmore. So you so you stole a Native American yeah, land yeah. and carved the colonizers into the side of it. Okay, so cool. Maybe y'all should just be one state. <laughs> Maybe like that's the penalty. Yeah. That's the penalty. Yeah, because yeah, of yeah. that, you don't get two states yeah. anymore. You, You're down you to one two Dakota. states for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's I think, I think that's uh that's fine. All right. Um is this the wokest uh relevant pod? <laughs> we're, not, we're never being asked. None of us are I'm not, I might be asked to leave the company. <laughs> uh we'll go we'll go a little bit lighter for the, for the next one. We'll give people a breather, but we're going to be back. Um Katie Hobby asked, "Would you rather go on a free one-day trip to space Ooh. or to the bottom of the ocean?" Oh. Space. I pick space Oof. all day long. Space. I don't know. What man. about what I don't about space? Do either JD? of those things? Oh, I I don't know. I th- well space. So I've always been fascinated with like space travel and stuff, and because I'm a nerd. Uh-huh. But um, but just like you could, in theory, look out Here's a window and like see the planet and see all the stuff. If you're at the bottom of the ocean, you can't see nothing. There's nothing. There's Here's no the light. Thing, There's though. nothing. You're not gonna. The thing is, it's a one-day trip. You're not going to get that far in space. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a so one-day like, trip. And I, we need some parameters here. Like, what do we mean? Outer space is big. Are we just going to go, like, spin around North America? Yeah, you're just going to shoot up and then turn back down. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's no way you cannot minimize that experience. Right. I just feel like so, if you go to the bottom of the ocean, the amount of things you could see what? in a day... No, With I the disagree. Lights on. There's With the probably lights on. species. Yeah, you have this. There's species. I'm positive, and I mean this. It's we. This is a fact. We have yet to explore the depths of the ocean. True. There are parts. There are species mm-hmm. on this planet we mm-hmm. still don't know. I agree. I agree. That's I think kind of epic. But I also I think like uh, traveling ahead, to the ahead, bottom of the ocean takes. I think you are overestimating the time it takes to get to space versus the time it takes to get to the bottom of the ocean because you have to like go through compressions and like there's different levels that you go through it'd like take you a long long time to get down to the bottom (laughs) you try to tell you try to tell me prep to be off the planet is shorter (laughs) well like even when you decompress you have to wait i do want to know i think for the for the purposes of this question i think we do establish like 24 hours starts when you arrive at the destination okay that's fair so so when you're in outer space you've got you've got 24 hours and then you come back down or bottom of the ocean whichever i think i would do you've got zero mm, gravity in space bottom of the ocean kind of scares me man bottom of the ocean freaks me out they're both scary I, I was like, how is that less scary than space? <laughs> well, space, are I don't inverted. think you're going to run into like, like evil aliens in a day trip to space. You, you could yeah, you need at run least into three evil days giant to do squid that. in a day at the bottom no, of the ocean. you could implode. How about that? Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Like <laughs> yeah. a gravity type Sandra Bullock type situation where <laughs> yeah. everything yes. goes. Yeah, I guess that's true. Okay. All right. Well, they're both, they both have anyway, risks. I think you have more risks. All right. Last one. Last one. Uh, this one, th- this is this one is gonna lose us a lot of follow. This is gonna be this is gonna be it. This is it. Cut though, cut me loose. This is what you all get for letting me host today. 
This question comes from uh, Way Guevara. How do we feel about Jim macking on Pam when she was still with Roy? How would you counsel Jim as a friend if this was happening in real life? Now, I think this is a good question because I have thought about this. Jim did not show a lot of propriety around Pam, who was engaged during their during most of their like pre-married romance on the office. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of messed up. I don't know. I it's do think little, it's, I do think they did a good job of showing you how much of a, a dirtbag Roy could be. Sure. He so was like, a bad man. No part. one's defending Roy. No, one, this yeah. is not a Roy. This is a, this is, was it still appropriate? Specifically Jim. No matter how much chemistry he had Jim with Pam. Sh- yeah, Jim shot his shot. And yeah, he shot his shot, man. It's hard to like, we have, we have the hindsight to be like, well, you know, it's, it's a great move, but like. It worked. Had I been engaged and some dude at my wife's job no matter how much of a jerk I was, you know what I'm saying, had wooed my wife into kissing her on my engagement party. That's a bad yeah. move. And when, and That's then, cause the, and then Roy's made out to be the bad guy when he like storms into the office wanting to hit Jim. But that is like a, without condoning violence, that is an understandable reaction. It's a very understandable yeah. to the circumstances. Reaction. I think I have to take, I I don't like to say I'm taking Roy's side here, but I do think there is a standard that Jim didn't live up to. And I I, like Jim. I don't know. I think I'm kind of the opposite. I think I kind of feel like until you're actually, until you say the vows, all's fair in love and war. You you know? He did kiss her. He kissed her. That feels like a lot. But they weren't married. They weren't married. There's some truth there, man. You're right. There's some truth there. It's like, you know what, dude? I'm going to shoot my shot. You can swat it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I don't know, if man. You're, if We're you're getting secure, into some Me Too stuff you know? here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's some dangerous water, yeah. you know? Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. There was, this is like, office place romances aside, like the wisdom of doing that aside, which is debatable. Uh, yeah. I still think, I, I, I appreciate the, like, idea of, like, you know what? Go for it. If he had been, like, maybe a little more forthcoming about it, like a little more forthright, instead of, like, like the will they won't for so I just kind of say like you know what I don't think Roy's right for you uh but but I really like you a lot and if you feel the same way then maybe we should give this a shot uh, I don't think there's anything wrong because most you can say right there is like no you can't say that you what are you talking about yeah had he just like yeah like look here here's my shot I'm gonna lay it mm-hmm. on the line I mm-hmm. am madly in love with you I want to kiss you I don't want you to marry Roy I've thought about you my whole life you know what I'm saying like lay it out like that rather than just like putting the moves on her mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah and then if she's like yeah you know, I'm feeling this, you know what I'm saying? it's like yo you know it's like look he didn't cross the line everybody won you know <laughs> all yeah. right with that that'll do it for ask the cast well, many thanks to Mark Batterson for sponsoring the show. His book, Double Blessing, is out from Penguin Random House. Thank you, too, to BetterHelp. Also, thanks to Rachel Denhollander for joining us. Her book, What is a Girl Worth?, is available anywhere books are sold. I also want to say thanks to our friend, Propaganda Prop. Good to see you yep. again, man. Man, thanks good for to, showing good to see up. You. I appreciate that. It was nice Living to see your you. Best life. And I appreciate everybody for uh, for listening to us uh, today. Jesse will be back next time. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, this was a fun one, guys. Thanks for for showing up. Lots of good, lots of good conversations that only might get us fired. And, and I appreciate <laughs> all of that as well. Uh, make sure you hit us up on on iTunes. We're on iTunes. If you like relevant podcasts, help spread the word. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star review, please. We don't need four star reviews. We don't need one star reviews. They're not funny. Uh, but while you're there, make sure to check out the relevant daily podcast. That's 10 minutes, five days a week. The stories you need to know today at the intersection of faith and culture. Uh, that's brought to you by me, yours truly. Search for Relevant Daily or click on our author name to see the other shows on our network. And with that, we'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm John David Harris. I'm Chandler String. I'm Propaganda. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for joining us, everyone. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. 
Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Relevant Podcast Network.